Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life. Hi and a very warm welcome from me, your host Phil Parker, to this, the 101st edition of Essential Skills of NLP. Welcome. I hope you've enjoyed the series so far. Um, now we're into our second century of podcasts. Once again, if you're enjoying these, please leave a review and of course, send some suggestions. Um, I'm running out of amazing things to tell you, although there's always a few tricks I have up my sleeve. So anything you have you want, uh, asking, addressing, uh, questions you have about NLP, how it fits with other things, techniques uh, that you could use for certain things, then please um, please do send them in, the usual place, info at philparker.org. Uh, I'd really love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here lonely in my ivory tower, you know, gazing out through the barred window. So any communication, you know, just helps me to feel a little bit more connected with the world. Um, so, yeah, please do send that in. So today I thought I'd talk about something that I've... Um, came across recently uh, when I was in Spain at this fascinating summit on NLP. And Robert Diltz, who's a, a very, very uh, famous famous author in NLP and a, a lovely man, if you ever get a chance to meet him, do, um, talked about uh, something that, that kind of grabbed my attention I'd like to share with you. He talked about something called radical compassion. Radical compassion so we're not compassion is kindness, um, uh, being thoughtful, being accepting of other people. But radical compassion is a, is a concept which you utilize when you find yourself in deep conflict with someone else. So let's imagine you're at a meeting uh, and one person has one very particular position, point of view that they're holding, which is completely in opposition to another person's point of view. And what happens normally then, as we know from all the other stuff I talked about on the podcast, is that uh, when you have a conflict of how people see the world, so their beliefs, their maps of the world, it's very, very difficult for people to accept somebody else's point of view because they're so certain about their own point of view. And so what they tend to do is they tend to imply or the other person feels that it's been implied that they are wrong in some way and as i've said before many times it's one of the things as humans we hate the most is the idea that we're wrong and when somebody suggests or implies we're wrong then our immediate response is to tell them they're wrong to come out fighting and of course no human likes to be told they're wrong so the other person in opposition then once again comes out attacking as a way of defense and so this is the the structure of how most conflicts work with radical compassion, having recognized that, they take a very interesting step. What they do is they say, okay, let's say you have a position where you say, okay, I think we should um, make this free to everyone. And the other person says, no, I think we need to charge more to everyone. So you've got two very different positions. Then what would happen is the person who has the position that everything should be free is asked to take on the position and the discussion and the point of view of the other person and present their position, the, their opponent's position, to the group completely, authentically, incongruently. So what they have to do is really spend some time talking to this other person, kind of working out, why do you think that way so I can express your point of view honestly and clearly to the group? And then, of course, the other person does the same thing. So the person who believes everything should be charged for talks to the other person about why they think everything should be free and understands it enough that they can adequately and congruently present this to the rest of the group. 
Now we can see in this uh, interesting conversation, in order to understand the other person's perspective enough, you'd have to ask lots of questions, you'd have to identify what's going on with them, you'd have to really step into those shoes. And in that process, of course, you will start to shift your own position. You'll start to see how their map and your map are different and maybe how yours can be shifted. Inhabiting that person's position temporarily whilst you present to the group gives you real insight into what that feels like, why they do that. Having to really honestly and authentically step into it makes you have to suspend your own beliefs, your own map temporarily to really feel what it feels like to be them. So in this process, not only do you get to step in the shoes of the person whose position you don't normally agree with, you then also have to present it to a group of other people who then ask you questions and you have to answer their questions about it. And so in this process, these kind of lines of divisions get quite blurred where you start to be defending a position you don't normally hold, answering questions accurately and adequately about it and really kind of immersing yourself in what the world feels like to be that way. So that's the concept of radical compassion. It has some elements to it that are very familiar to NLP. One is this idea of second positioning. We often go through the world being first position. I mean, that's how we experience the world. Now, what do I think? First position, me. Second position, very, very powerful place to be, is to consider for a moment, what's it like to be them, to step in their shoes and to observe the world from there? And particularly, as uh, a process called the, the metamirror, which we have talked about, it can be very useful to step into the position of somebody that you're in conflict with or arguing with and really get a sense of what it's like to view the world from their perspective and particularly to look at what do you look like? You know, what do I look like when I look at myself through their eyes? Getting that understanding. Um, so we can see in this radical compassion, this idea of second positioning, really stepping into someone's model and speaking from there. Now, there's, there's some brilliance about this uh, second positioning, but there's also a problem you can get into uh, with second positions, which is where you can some people can adopt other people's positions too easily, and, and therefore they become easily swayed. They, they think, oh, yeah, well, but they're probably right. You know, I can see it from their point of view. It becomes quite difficult then to remember what do you think. There's nothing wrong with having a map of the world. It's just important to make sure, because well, we all have maps of the world, it's important to make sure the map you have is as rich and accurate as it possibly can be. So stepping to other people's worldviews is really valuable, uh, and they, you can come back and radically change your own view, or you can alter it, or you can realise, actually, no, I think, the way I saw it originally was, was possibly as complete as it could be. Um, but as I say, stepping into second position all the time is a problem. And one of the core cool things in NLP we talk about is it's not about swapping one behavior for another because then you could end up just in the same kind of problem. You know, you see this sometimes with um, people who have problems with alcohol. Uh, so they give that up completely and then they go to the gym. 27 times a day or they drink super strong coffee 100 times a day they're just swapping really one set of behaviors for another what we're much more interested in is increasing the amount of choice you have the range you have of behaviors and then choosing the most appropriate one the most appropriate model or map depending on where you are and what you're doing so have a think about what is my map of the world where does it conflict with other people and this will show up when somebody says you're wrong or you think somebody else is wrong quietly to yourself 
and start to notice, okay, so I've got this version of truth. They've got a different one. It's interesting that, you know, they've been on the planet a certain amount, a number of years, and they've come up with a very different view of the world. If we stay in conflict, not much can happen. But if we start to think about what's it like for them, we may get more of an insight into what we need to say to communicate effectively so we can work out how can we both live on the same planet with different maps of the world in a way that allows us to work together because everybody does have a unique version of the world but to some extent we all do live on the same world the same planet isn't it interesting that we have such different views so see what you can do by changing how you relate to your map as truth how you relate to other people's maps as wrong and start to change those things and see what happens both at work your family situations your relationships and uh, let me know I'll speak to you guys soon. I hope you've enjoyed that. Bye. If you like these podcast series, then I think you'd really love finding out more about how we can work together. Best things you can do, get hold of the other podcasts on iTunes or get some of my extraordinary books, which as I say, if you like these podcasts, they're very, very similar, life-changing, fascinating ways of looking at the world. And the ultimate thing you could do, hey, come and train with me. I'd love to meet you in person. Let us know. Drop us an email, phil at philparker.org or go to the website, philparker.org. Sign up for the newsletters. There you'll get instant access to some of my latest audio downloads. And those downloads contain the latest research, techniques and tools to change your life and improve your health. So just register to get those right now. And I look forward to hanging out with you in person in the very near future. You take care now. Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life.